You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. I want to get into the Word. I want to share what God has put on my heart. Let's just pray for just a moment. I know the Holy Spirit is here. I know the Word of God is living and active. And I know He is a Word for every person who is listening to me in this room and in the atrium. So let's just open our hearts. Holy Spirit, you are here. May our hearts be good soil to receive whatever you want to say to us today. Amen. 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 Well, I'm getting older and I'm starting to feel it. I turned 46 recently and I, I just, you discover certain things like uh, uh, last week it took me two goes to get off the sofa. Do you know, you kind of had to get momentum and then you were up and, and uh, I, I, you know, I used to be when I was younger an all-nighter meant partying all night. An all-nighter now is only going to the bathroom once during the night. Um, you know, different stages of life. My little boy keeps saying to me, Daddy, what were things like in the olden days? What were things like in the olden days? And what he really means by that are the pre-internet and, 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 and iPhone days. That's what he's talking about. He said to me last week, Daddy, tell me about CDs. And I said, son, even better than that, I'll tell you about cassette tapes. <laughs> cassette tapes. I'll not tell you what my first one was, but it was Kylie Minogue. And I'm so mortified by that. I was about eight years old, so please do have some grace for that. But he's growing, he's developing, he's just turned nine. He still loves cuddles in the morning. And I, you know, I'm so conscious when he comes in and, and I, I'm busy, but I just am so conscious that in a few years he'll not, you know, and even now when he gets to school, it's like, don't touch me, don't come near me, Dad, don't, 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 don't open the window and shout, I love you, which makes me want to do it even more, um, because he's just mortified. But he's growing, he's developing, he's changing, he's, and every stage of life brings changes, doesn't it? It brings physical changes in our bodies, it brings changes around us, it brings changes in our families, in our jobs, in our minds, in our hearts. And we've been through a particular season of, incredible change. I mean, I, you don't need me to tell you that. We have been through the most significant season of change that most of us have seen in our lifetime, I would imagine, and most of us will ever see. And now as we start to emerge out of this, God willing, here's what I have found is happening, that the external changes are going back to some sort of normality, but people are discovering that they've changed on the inside that something has shifted in the last 18 months. And the word I keep hearing is this, and actually Tom referred to it a moment ago, unsettled. There's an unsettledness. And there's a good unsettledness and a bad unsettledness, and there's an in-between unsettledness. But what I'm hearing are, people are saying things like, 18 months ago there was somebody I used to meet every Friday for coffee and it energized me and I loved it, and now it drains the life out of me. I meet them and I want to go home and lie in a dark room for an hour because, you know, or things that I used to love and be so passionate about, they just, they don't do it for me anymore. And I got that job and I prayed for that job two years ago and I loved it and now I just have no passion for that anymore. And I find it really hard to describe or define, but there's something stirring within. There's a restlessness, there's a shift, there's an unsettledness, there's, there's just that something is, is unsettled within us. And I think change is good. Change is the only thing in life we can be certain of. 
I think it's the bit in between the change that we struggle with. The bit where we, are, we have left something behind or we know that we're not there anymore. And we know there's something out here. We're just not sure what that is yet. And that gap between where you were and where you're going is what I call the tension of transition. The tension of transition. One other way of thinking about it is actually at the moment we're kind of, it feels like we're in a season between seasons, doesn't it? Yeah. One day you wake up and you'd have to put on a jumper and a coat. The next day you can go out in a shirt and you're, you know, and it's kind of, you're not sure how to dress because we're kind of in a season between seasons. That's kind of how transition feels. You're kind of in between where you were and where you're going. And the other way I like to put it is this. Some people say this. Have you ever heard this? God never closes one door without, but they never tell you about the hallway in between. Isn't that true? Yeah. And that hallway in between, and sometimes it's a long hallway, and sometimes it's a dark hallway, that is the tension of transition. And that's what I believe many of us are experiencing right now. We're in that hallway, and we're trying to navigate through because we know God has something for us at the other side. And all of this really came out of my own journey, and the journey of our family in the last five, six, seven years. Let me tell you a little. What I, I'm normally a line-by-line -line preacher. I want to just share something a wee bit different today. I want to tell you a little bit about our own story as a family. And then I want to share what I believe God is doing in this season of transition. So five years ago, we, had been, we were leading a church in inner city Dublin. We had moved there a year after we were married in 2011. We went to a church that had once been flourishing called Core. I renamed it St. Catherine's. What went into decline and we went into it and we poured our lives into it for five years. Our little boy was born there, uh, not in the church, in the hospital, the Coombe Church beside the <laughs> hospital. He wasn't that holy. Um, and, uh, and, and we just, we poured our lives and our hearts and God moved. I mean, God moved. God showed up. Uh, and we saw hundreds of people come to Christ. We saw drug addicts delivered. We saw uh, uh, people set free from demons. We saw uh, people from Muslim and Hindu backgrounds getting baptized. I mean, it was just incredible. It was in the middle of a drug-addicted community. We had a small group of drug addicts. I mean, they used to disappear into the bathroom every 10 minutes and come back slightly different. But, but we, we just were reaching the least and the last and the lowest. And we saw God move powerfully. I thought we would never leave there. I got an Irish passport for someone from my background. If you knew me, that is a big deal. That's almost a get you kicked out of your family type thing where I come from. But I honestly thought I would be buried in Dublin. We, we were just loving it. Now, it took its toll on us as a family. It was hard work. But we thought we were there for life. And then about year three to four, something started happening. And it was really hard to understand, but we began to feel that unsettledness. We began to sense that maybe God was leading us on. We began to sense that, that maybe we wouldn't be spending the rest of our lives there. And that continued to grow over the next two years. And, uh, and once that happens, here's what I've discovered happens. You still show up and you still give it your all. I'm one of those people, I'm an all or nothing, okay? So you still give it your all. You're fully there, you're fully present, but your heart starts to disconnect a little bit. You don't go deeper with friendships. You don't start a lot of new things. 
Because here's, here's what I say. Like, I, I stayed in the Clayton Hotel last night. I didn't decorate the room. <laughs> Why? You don't decorate somewhere you don't think you're going to be staying very long. And so, that's one of the signs that I've noticed in, in transition. When God might be moving you on somewhere else. Is it that before you move physically, emotionally, psychologically, you just start to detach. You're still showing up and work every day and you're still doing a good job as you should because you're honoring the Lord in your work. But your heart just isn't really there anymore. You're still meeting with that group of friends that you've always met with, but there's just not the connection there anymore. You're doing something that you used to find great blessing in, but you're putting all the same work into it and you're just not getting the same results. You're feeling confined and constricted and restricted and deep down you have this sense that there's more. You're just not sure what it is or what it looks like. And that's where Becky and I found ourselves as we approached 2016. Sensing that our time in Dublin was coming to an end but there was nothing at the other side of that. And so we felt a little bit in limbo. Now, we were due to take a sabbatical. A sabbatical is really where you take a time off from work, an extended period of rest, to reflect, to rest, to study. So in 2016, we were due to take an extended period of rest, a sabbatical, and then come back to Dublin and sign a new, our five-year contract was done, to sign a new contract. But as that sabbatical got closer and closer, our sense of our time here is done increased. But the problem was there was nothing on the other side. And as a husband, as a father, I have a responsibility. There's a difference between faith and foolishness. And I have a responsibility to look after my family. And so nothing was coming up. And so in the midst of that, I found myself in the early hours. God started for a while waking me up at 4.30 exactly. Thank you, Lord. That was fantastic. I really appreciate that. Every, I mean, twice, three times a week. I said to him, if you want me to get up and pray, it's got to be 4.30. And I would wake up two, three times a week and I would look and it would literally turn from 4.29 to 4.30. And I'd be like, dear Lord. And so I would go down to my study at the end of the corridor. I would go on my knees in front of my little fake leather recliner and I would pray. And this happened a few times. And, 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 and one in the midst of all of this, I... Woke up one morning, 4.30 on the dot, went down to my little study, I'm on my knees, and I prayed this prayer. God, will you open a door for us for the next thing? And in that moment, I had a vision, and I know that sounds hyper-spiritual. I have been a Christian 31 years, and I've probably had one or two visions in my entire life like this, okay? So don't think I'm, you know, this was, but I had this vision, and it was so vivid. And here's what it was. I was in prison, Okay. And the warden came along and said, you're released. And he opened the door and he let me out. And I started walking along the corridor and I knew what the inside of a prison was like, not because I'm from the north, but because I've done prison ministry before. And I knew what it was like. And I'm walking along the corridor and he says, you're free to go. And the whole way along the corridor, as I'm walking towards the exit, I have one question in my mind. Will there be anybody on the other side? Will there be anybody on the other side? And I had to keep walking. I remember they opened it and I went through the, the foyer and then there was this huge steel gate and it slowly started sliding open and in my mind the only thing I could think was will there be anybody waiting for me on the outside, on the other side? And it 
opened and there was a car full of smiling faces and the relief was incredible. And then I woke up. I came out of the vision, just like that. And immediately I was like, Lord, what was that? And here's what, without going into loads of detail, here's what God was saying to me. I am releasing you. You've been praying for an open door. I am opening the door to release you from this assignment. And you will have to walk by faith. And you don't know what's on the other side until you get there. You will have to keep walking and trust me. And that began the journey, which then, as, as uh, Pastor Tom said, became a book called The Tension of Transition, which is uh, just, if you're in that place, you might find that helpful. It's on Amazon. I'm not going to do a sales pitch. But, but that began the journey for us and our family. And so we had that vision. Becky and I talked. We prayed. And over the next week or two, a number of things happened. Uh, there was a lot of conversations. There was a lot of prayer. Becky resigned from her job as a speech therapist. I resigned from my job leading the church. And a month later, we drove away in our little 10-year-old one series car up the motorway with four months of sabbatical rest and a, no clue on the other side. No home, nothing to go to. And, uh, and, and that really began that journey of understanding transition for us. What does that look like? And I was... Uh, I was thinking about what God does in that season. And there's three things, and I want to just touch on them really quickly. What does God do in that season, in that in-between, where you've left something or someone or somewhere behind because you know that you're not meant to be there anymore, and you know there's something on the other side, and maybe you've got some vague picture of it, but you're just not sure what it looks like, and you find yourself in the hallway in-between. What is God doing in that season of transition. Three things, and I want to spend about three minutes on each one, and then I want to wrap it up. The first one is this. In transition, God is preparing us. In transition, God is preparing us. And the place I want to look at is the journey of the Israelites coming out of Egypt after 430 years of slavery. And I want you to look at verse 8 in Exodus 3. I have come down to rescue them. This is God speaking to Moses at the burning bush. I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So there's two places. There's Egypt, where they've been, where they're familiar with. And then there's a new place that they haven't been and they haven't experienced yet. But if you look at the map, there's something in between. And it's a big desert. And that's what transition can be like. It can be like a desert. It can be like a wilderness. So why would God lead us through that barren place? What's he doing? First one is transition is preparation. One of my favorite movies when I was a kid was The Karate Kid. Now I'm not talking about the one with Will Smith's son. I'm talking about the OG one. Remember with, with uh, Mr. Miyagi and Daniel LaRusso? Remember, and this teenager moves to a new town and he gets bullied and he discovers that the janitor in the apartment complex knows karate and he says to him, will you teach me karate? And he says, I will. And, and for every day, Danny, the teenager, goes down to Mr. Miyagi and Mr. Miyagi just starts giving him these menial tasks to do. Wax the car. Wax the car. Wax on. Wax off. Remember that? 
You're showing your age, folks. Wax on, wax off. Paint the fence, paint the fence. Sand the floor, sand the floor. And after a week or so, Danny LaRusso is fuming because he wants to learn karate and all he is doing is doing these menial tasks for Mr. Miyagi. And there's this scene where he explodes at his mentor. And he says, I came to learn karate and all you have me doing is painting the fence and waxing the floor. And, and Mr. Miyagi says, Paint the fence and he does this and Mr. Miyagi throws a punch, did you like that? And he blocks the punch, he says, eh, eh, wax the car and he goes like this and, and every single thing he does was karate but he didn't realise it. The whole time he thought he was just doing menial, awful tasks but Mr. Miyagi was training him without him knowing it. And I think God does that to us in transition. He takes us into a place where there's, it feels barren, it feels lifeless, it feels wilderness, it's confusing, it feels unsettled, it feels insecure. And yet in the midst of that, without us even realizing it, he is preparing us for what he has prepared for us. And we have no idea. And Moses knew this better than anyone. Because before Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. What's Moses been doing for 40 years? He's been in the backside of the wilderness, leading a bunch of stubborn sheep every day who wander off and get into trouble. And what does God send them to? Deliver the people from Egypt. And what does he spend the next 40 years doing? Leading a bunch of stubborn sheep through the wilderness who wander off and get into trouble. Little did he know that the 40 years looking after sheep was exactly the preparation he needed for 40 years of looking after God's people. Amen. And he does that all the time. God is working in you. God is working in your life. God's fingerprints are all over your life. And you might not see it. And you might not recognize it. And it might not feel like God is doing anything. But can I say to you, God is doing 10,000 things in your life today. And you're probably aware of about two of them. And I have discovered that the most barren, broken, hard seasons of my life where I thought God had forgotten about me where I thought he was not keeping his promises or answering my prayers, were the times where he was doing the most work. I always say this, it's not noisy in surgery. And when God is doing his deepest work, it's quiet. But he is working in you and he is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. So transition is preparation. The second thing is this, transition is transformation. Transition is designed for transformation. Transition, in fact, is the process from which we go from who we were to who we're going to be. Remember those teenage years, some of you? That'll be easier for some than others. <laughs> Remember when you started to get those spots? And it, yet to you, it looked like Mount Vesuvius on your forehead. To anybody else, they wouldn't see it. And your mom was like, let me pop it. Let me pop it. And you're like, no. And, and your voice started to change. And your hair started to grow in places. And those hormonal changes started to happen. And all of those changes and, and growth spurts and growing pains and all of that. It was, it was horrible. It was uncomfortable. And did you could not go through the transition from childhood to adulthood without adolescence. In fact, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13. 
He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But I want you to hear this. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Do you know what transition always involves? Putting something behind you to take hold of what's in front of you. Leaving something there to take hold of the new. Leaving the old to take hold of what God has before you. Every transition, and this is tough, every transition begins with an ending. We have to let go of the old before we can pick up the new. Something of the past has to go. I call it a shedding of old skin. Everything, listen to this, everything incompatible with where God has taken you has to be stripped away. And that can be painful. And that can be hard because we get attached to things. Even bad things we get attached to because they're familiar and they're comfortable. Jesus said this. He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And I've been studying this, and apparently the eye of the needle, some of you might know this, were the little holes in the walls of Jerusalem that you went through on your journey. And there were small, I've been to Jerusalem, I've been to Israel, and, and, and there's these little walls, and, or these little holes in the walls where you pass from one part of the city into the other. And when a camel had to go through it, it would never get through it unless it did one thing. It got rid of the baggage on its back. Because it was too tight otherwise. And some of us find ourselves in that tight place. That constricted place. Where we know there's something on the other side. We can't really see it yet. And we want to get there. But God has said, I can't get you there unless you're willing to shed some of the stuff you're carrying right now. Unless you're willing to let go of some of the stuff that you are holding on to. And it might have been really good stuff in the past. But it's not for the next season. And letting go is hard. Letting go is hard, especially when we haven't seen what's on the other side. Do you know what I prefer?